Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Welcome to another installment of Transformational Energy Leadership. Yes, I'm your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, coming to you from the heartland of America. Okay, too often... I really believe our attention on the future of our organizations focuses on the here and now rather than long-term innovation and transformation. And sure, we may have our three- to five-year plan, but is that what it really takes to accelerate past competition and remain competitive, relevant, and perhaps even a game-changer? And what is the leader's role in all of this? Or how about the team, for that matter, and the rest of the organization when you think about the future? My guest today posits that leaders must adopt, embrace, and emulate what he calls a future-back approach for organizations to change the way things have always been to innovate into new dimensions. And this call for innovating the future could never be more real when you consider the shadow that we're all living under right now called the COVID-19 pandemic. So joining us today is Mark Johnson. He's the author of the book called Lead from the Future – how to Turn Visionary Thinking into Breakthrough Growth. And it was recently released by Harvard Business Review Press. And here's a few more things about Mark you need to know. He's the co-founder of the Innovation Management Consultancy. It's called InnoSight with Harvard Business School professor Clayton Christensen. He's also authored books such as Reinvent Your Business Model, How to Seize the White Space for Transformative Growth. And he's contributed multiple articles to leading outlets, including the McKinsey Award winning article. It was called Reinvent Your Business Model for Harvard Business Review. And here's something else interesting about Mark. He was a nuclear powertrain surface warfare officer in the U.S. Navy. So let's get to it. Mark, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Thank you, Matthew. It's great to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. And as I understand it, you're speaking to us from Europe and Cape Hatteras, is that right? Or Massachusetts somewhere? Uh, Cape Cod. Uh, I'm on uh, in Chatham, Massachusetts, which is the elbow part of of Cape Cod. Aha! Uh-huh. And uh, what a nice place to be right now, <laughs> even though it's what 45 degrees or something like that. So, uh, yeah, Mark, it's a little chilly, but it is nice. It's nice. Yeah, I woke up to an uh, inch and a half, two inches of snow today, but summer, spring, and summer are here, right? <laughs> you know, I, exactly. I have to. You know, I've got to start this conversation with you, Mark, because this term called future back, it was new to me when I read your book. And of course, now I've had the luxury of reading it. and I know what you mean. But for all of us listening to the conversation, let's start there. What do you mean by adopting a future back approach to leadership versus what you call a present forward? What's the delineation there? Yeah, well, I came up with future back as a as a way, first it's as it sounds, which is, you know, you just took it literally starting with the end in mind, you know, starting with thinking about the future and then how do you put yourself in that future and the implications of that and then walk it back to the present. But I think more broadly, I would say it's um, the way we've used it. It's a way of, to think both imaginatively and strategically 
about the longer term, getting past the three-year, five-year horizon. And it begins with, instead of operating and executing, which typically leaders are doing on a day-to-day basis, and especially during this crisis, this is more about exploring and envisioning, imagining, immersing yourself in your organization's hopeful um, future, you know, in the likely future environment, and then and then determining what you must do to not only fit in that environment, but to actively shape it and, and to really thrive in it. And the future back is a way of thinking to open up the mind and, and let go of the present and the past for a moment uh, to be able to seize on that. And then it's also a process to be able to start five to 10 years out with a, with a powerful actionable vision and then bring that back to the present and do something about it. Mm. Present forward, on the other hand, is as it sounds, it, it's really taking today's business and operations and organization and, and um, moving that forward in time. It's, it's uh, continuously improving uh, functions and business. It's creating efficiencies. It's moving forward to sustain the business and you build off of what you have today and you move forward in time, and it's incredibly important, but I'm arguing you need to carve out some time and, and, and also have this future-back way of thinking and planning uh, in addition to present-forward thinking and planning. Okay. And so the, the real big, the big difference here is when we have the present forward is taking what you know and just expanding on it, perhaps, or making better what you already have. And you're saying future back is really about getting out of the confines of or the constrictions of what you currently have and what you think about and really thinking out of the box, if you will, using a metaphor there. Yeah, you know. In fact, one of the things I list in the book as one of the attributes is clean sheet thinking. And the reason for that is, as everyone knows, you know, especially in this time of uh, crisis where there's this major disruption, extending out your business um, indefinitely and thinking that it continues to be upward and onward is a straight line versus that there's potential for having a new normal and, 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 and the potential that things aren't a straight line going out, that there's a discontinuity. Well, the best way to seize on a discontinuity, uh, well, the only way really is to think is to think in a clean sheet way, a zero-based budgeting way, if you will, about the future and bringing it back. You can't increment off of today and come up with the right answer when there's a, a set of discontinuities or a disruption like there is with uh, COVID-19. Mm, you're right. You're absolutely right. I, even for me, I just I, I have a small business, but when I think about just a month ago where I was or six weeks ago when all my business went away because of what's happening right now, where I am today, I've completely revamped and changed and I'm looking at the future and such through a very different lens than, than when I was, you know, uh, just a short while ago. It's So it's, you're very, very right. You know, I, I, I think so many of us aspire to be a visionary leader and when I think of you even write this in your book too you've got visionary leaders like Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs and such and my question for you is and I think I think a lot of us struggle with this is it even is it possible to learn to be a visionary leader I think for many of us that maybe that don't think of ourselves as visionary leaders. Um, for many of us, I think it absolutely is possible. I mean, that's really the intent of the book is to say that there is uh, 
there is a way to um, lay out a way of thinking and a process that brings you into this kind of, of discipline of being able to have the attributes of visionary leader. For example, one attribute of being a visionary leader, as we talked about future back, is being able to let go of the present and the past and imagine new possibilities, to have that creative element. That's one piece of it. Another piece of it is simply to look forward. I mean, some, so many of us are stuck in the here and now and, and, and by cognitive biases and other factors, we just never think about uh, a longer-term horizon. If you could literally put yourself out into the five- to ten-year horizon, that is the first step to becoming a visionary leader is to spend time in that future and to debate and discuss uh, different elements uh, that could be discerned from from trends and other potential faint signals that bring a foresight or uh, or even then an insight into what what is happening out in that future and then being able to to imagine what that future implies in terms of, of what the organization could and should look like those are all mm-hmm. the practical elements of what Steve Jobs, as an example, did intuitively when he created the trans, when he developed the transformative, transformative strategy, vision and strategy for Apple in 2000 during the dot-com crash. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes. Yeah, exactly. The answer is yes. So all of us get his book because he has practical applications of which you can sit down and just start working on and thinking about where do you want your organization to be in 10 plus years down the road and also is ripe with lots of examples of organizations that have done it so thank you for that very very helpful so I think this is the thing that trips people up so let's say you start thinking about it but when we when we think about strategy and we think about ha- and making it happen, people get really stuck in their data and they get stuck in their analytics and they use their current financial circumstances really to extend into the future. And you're saying with future back, how is vision and strategy approached? So all of everything that you said, Matthew, still is, is valid. You know, 80% of, 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 what you do has to be present forward, including present forward planning, you know, moving in the next couple of years in the, in the right kind of way, addressing competition, using data and analysis to determine, you know, how's the best way to achieve market share or to drive a marketing campaign. But 10 to 20% in order to bring understanding about the five to 10 year horizon, or in the case of the COVID crisis, maybe even in the, two-plus-year horizon where there's lots of uncertainty about where things are going to land, um, that is an added skill on top of the 80 to 90% that you're going to do present forward with data and analysis. For present forward to do it right, because you're trying to address the potential for things to be fundamentally different, you have to let go for the moment of present and past understanding and um, an analysis, right? Because data is always a reflection of today and the past. Mm-hmm. You want to be in a, a different mode, which is what could be, what is the art of the possible, what's the hopeful story that you want to tell. And the difference now is to go from data to assumptions and work 
as a conversation with other members of your team to get to an agreement on a core set of assumptions. That's the underpinning of, of the exercise when you spend the time to look out in the five to 10 year horizon or whatever the right horizon is in a future back mode. You're, you're, you're in this messier mode, if you will. It's a more iterative, it's a more debate and discussion oriented type approach to, to land on a set of assumptions about that future, which you can then bring back and test today by investing in a set of initiatives that help lead you towards that imagined future. Mm. And I wonder, it's it's somewhat a, a leap of faith. It's it's taking some risk there as well. And I, I know in your book, you even mentioned that uh, boards of organizations get a little antsy when you talk about doing something that's completely out of your wheelhouse, that the responsibility of the leader is they've really got to paint a picture of what that future image really looks like and instill some faith in there. Yes, there is some faith. Um Absolutely, and I would actually put, I think the, the, the better attribute is it's more about, uh, it's more about hope and purpose mm. and inspiration. I mean, yes. there's faith to, to go after that, but, but I would argue that the risk piece of it is, is it's not meant to be risky, uh, and the reason for that is we're not asking, and we're not prescribing a permanent like a very tightly defined vision, uh, you know, analogous to a photograph. We're not saying that this is a photograph of the five to 10 years. And then all of a sudden you turn on a switch and make a set of bets about it. And Mm -hmm. you could be wrong and you'd likely be wrong. It's more of an impressionist painting to set a direction, to give insight about how things could look in the future. Like Steve Jobs did with Apple in the dot-com crash. He looked forward to, to imagine the iPod and the iPhone and the iPod, maybe not exactly, but he he certainly imagined how consumer electronics could be in Apple's future. So he didn't have the photograph, I guess, at the time you'd say, but he certainly had the vision about consumer electronics. So it's 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 that kind of picture. Um, number one. Number two is, as I mentioned, you walk it back to a set of small-scale, hopefully, initiatives where you're spending a little to learn a lot. So you Mm. don't want to make big bets and make choices that you have to unwind. You want to be actually focused as a leadership team as much as an innovation team is on learning and pivoting and adjusting as appropriate. Wow. Right, right, right. So that transformative versus being just an adjacent adjustment or what have you. Mark, time is flying by. We're already at a a commercial break. So when we come back, let's continue this conversation. And we're going to talk about why making these breakthroughs are are challenging and hard for for all of us. So over the commercial break, everyone out there listening, go to my website. That's Transformational Energy Leadership. And we'll see you back here in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. 
Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Take a closer look at yourself in the present. Your body has its own GPS system designed to help you follow your intuition, align your thoughts, and set your own course. Host Dee Lee is here to be your external guide to this discovery. Take a break, a mindful space to pause, and help bring forth the balance that your life deserves. Listen live for Mindful Space to Pause every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is Mark Johnson. He's the author of the, of the book, and it just came out this last Tuesday. It's called Lead from the Future, How to Turn Visionary Thinking into Breakthrough Growth. Now, before the break, we were talking about how being a visionary, it really is a learnable thing that we can all do. And it's not easy, but we can all make it, and we can do it a lot more if we really put the effort into it. And I think that's the point is effort. And so get his book, by the way. So, Mark, I have to ask you, and in your book, you're, you're really articulate in terms of some of the things or pitfalls that we all fall into or, or common roadblocks that prevent us from achieving long-term growth. Would you mind talking about a couple of those? Sure. Well, I think we're wired first and foremost for short-term thinking, which in the, in the realm of innovation leads us to be more oriented towards uh, sustaining innovations and more incremental type innovations. You know, first is the cognitive biases that we have. You know, I list a whole host of them in the book. You know, I won't go through all of them, but things like, and these are from uh, behavioral economists. These aren't my terms, but they relate. Bounded rationality is our instinct to solve problems based on the information we have at hand. Uh, availability bias that's overweight the data that's precious in our mind. You know, sunk cost to keep wasting money on what we, you know, have already sunk yes. into and not being able to break free from it. And it goes on and on. Um, you know, I list about uh, almost 10 of them. Uh, so one is you got to start with we're wired for the short term. Um, we're, it's very hard for us to think more in the abstract. And I think most of us are biased to say, 
looking further out five to ten years is the fool's errand. Um, you know, nobody has a crystal ball because they don't frame it in the right way. And so I think that first gets in the way of us being able to be more imaginative. I think the second is, you know, just overlaying the biases of individuals as organizations set up, as I think most of us know, rewards and incentives that tend to, to measure um, last year's uh, performance uh, and, and success versus, um, versus rewarding, you know, investments in what could be out in the future. Um, and so I think financial incentives um, and the bonuses, rewards of managers further exacerbate that. And, and then I think the last is we can't conflate the importance of present forward thinking and operating and executing with what's needed with future back thinking. And unfortunately, we're also busy. You know, we face the tyranny of the urgent. So I think because we're so overbooked, um, any kind of ability to do this is crowded out just by our time constraints. So I would just stop there. As I think those are, you know, three pieces that I talk about that make, that make it so hard um, to be able to be long-term oriented and, um, and, and be able to drive breakthrough growth, which requires that long-term orientation to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And and really, this this strange time that we're we all all are existing on this earth right now with this pandemic happening, this is such a good time to take that breath and and to use use the time that we've got to look forward. I I completely agree with you. We are hardwired to because we're such. I, I want satisfaction now. I want my hamburger now. I want you know we're so like here in the now. The thinking down the road. Take the deep breath and do it, and just do it. I I have to ask you when oh you know something that came up in my mind when you were talking there is that I I have been I've been in the HR role in my past and I remember sitting in performance review meetings and we would have people who were you know given the opportunity to create something completely out of what we offered to our clients a whole new offering. And so when it came down to measuring their performance and doing that sort of thing, it was a little gray. People didn't know, well, they're not performing what we know, so how do we evaluate them? So if I'm making sense, what advice do you have for organizations when they decide to go on a limb, invest resources, money, time, and such towards something completely new? What's What should be the approach in terms of supporting those people? Well, it's a great question, Matthew. And in fact, it's, uh, it's an essential question because you can, you can, uh, have people coming up with the ideas, um, you know, but if you don't have the organization behind the ideas, both in terms of the need to commit resources behind them, but the need to, uh, to commit behind your people. And, and so there needs to be, um, the recognition that doing this kind of breakthrough work and, you know, that starts with this future back work of visioning and then bring that back to what do innovation teams need to work on behind all that, you know, needs to be a way to program in the organ. I call it strategic program. You have to program in for these imagine, you know, for these more creative efforts and the individuals that are doing it mm-hmm. sponsorship. There needs to be governance over these people and protected from the core. There needs to be uh, a reward system that measures 
based on the success of taking their creative ideas and proving and disproving assumptions versus thinking about it in a financial metric. So the short answer to all that is you've got to think about a set of things organizationally, the governance, the process, and the rewards and metrics, the the rules, norms, and metrics. Those things are critical uh, for the organization to support the people that are going to be doing this work. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so so imperative because I remember the conversations going all over the place and it was like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. We told this person it's not crystal clear, but we know the end goals. We we want to get to this certain destination, like you said, the Picasso, if you will, and and uh, getting there is not necessarily clear, but the effort that person or those people were putting in needs to be recognized. And so, good, I, I thank you for that. I, I think it's just so important for us to be th- – addressing that issue right there. I, I have to ask you, well, I know you address this in your book. It's so important when there is this vision that leaders have or, you know, a group of executives or, or a team of who's been anointed with thinking about whatever it is, that future vision. What or how can leaders or what's your recommendations for leaders to share that vision with their people? How do, how do you do that and do it effectively? Well, I think the the first is to is to understand what you know that the that the vision is more than a vision statement, right? There's so many organizations yes. will go and say we need a vision, and they tie it to mission, and they say we're going to do an HR exercise or a offsite exercise, and we'll develop a vision and mission statement. This is not what this is about. This is this is about creating a narrative, a, a full fledged narrative, and I give an example in the book of. Um, of Johnson and Johnson and what they did with uh, their vision for disease interception and prevention. And this is for a pharmaceutical company, by the way, that is is going to get out of the treatment world. Uh, well, I shouldn't say get out of it, but it's going to disrupt itself, right, by getting in the prevention world and the interception of disease world. But it needs to be a narrative. It needs to be a narrative about this hopeful future, how you fit in it and how you can shape it and define it in terms of tangible um, tangible business uh, offerings and capabilities that help the organization understand. So how do you share it? You share it by being a good storyteller. Um, And I mean that in the most positive sense, you know, that that this is real, that that this story is imbued with purpose. It's got to be purposeful. It's got to be hopeful. It's got to be inspiring. And, and it has to have texture, and that texture comes through it being in, in more than just a statement. It, it needs to be a narrative. And we find with the narrative that then gets communicated in multiple ways to your people and to the rest of the organization, you know, with other leaders, that's how you, that's how you align people um, and, and, and get them motivated behind, if you will, your North Star and the commitment to do what they need to do to get to achieve that North Star. So that's what I would say is, is the most important piece of sharing. How you share it, I mean, there are multiple different ways, as we know, but I think the most important piece to make the sharing effective is that you're, you've developed a narrative. Mm-hmm. It's the power of story. And uh, for yeah. 
as as you're listening to this conversation, think about what's what's your story of hope and inspiration as you're looking down the path and where you want to go. I you could that's really wonderful, Mark. I agree with you on that. Before we go to break, we've got about oh about two minutes here. I want to address energy, and my my listeners know I talk about this every week, Mark. And you know I believe that we're composed of really positive anabolic energy that's growth oriented, and it really builds us up. Our bodies are full of it, and then we also have what's called catabolic it's the destructive and it's um, you know when you're under destructive for example destructive what i mean is it's those spurts of energy full of adrenaline and you've got to have it if a tiger's coming at it at you right you've got to run you've got to get out of there unfortunately many of us live under that energy um not healthy wise right it's not a good thing to have so there's that Think about energy and, and Mark, I'm curious to hear from you in the context of leading a team with a future back approach, how does energy fit into all of this? Well, I would say, you know, first, um, first off, you know, related to, I guess, the anabolic energy, which is the, uh, you know, which is the positive energy, you know, just as we talked about, I think the exercise of putting yourself in the future, and it's more than just an exercise. I mean, it's actually a process. It's, it's not something you just do overnight. But putting yourself in the future and imagining it and, and being able to have really healthy debate discussion about how you fit in that future and how you make sure it's purpose-driven and how it's going to create inspiration for your team and for the rest of the organization. I mean, it's just filled with energy. You know, and, and it's the energy that's needed in the case of the crisis, to to bring that hope as you navigate some very difficult times. But without the crisis, you still need it because you got to bring that energy to enable teams that are working through breakthrough growth, growth efforts to have the wherewithal of themselves and the organization to see through all the difficult times that come when you're trying to you know, develop a startup, if you will, within an organization you know, and, and navigate through that. So... Future back is all about the positive energy. I think on the other side of breaking down, I mean, that piece of it, I think, comes through the reality of being willing to let go, even if it's uncomfortable and it can be negative, to a lot of things that are holding you back and to be able to start again from this clean sheet systems-based view of the future. And the other part, I think, that comes down to the catabolic side of it is is the wrestling with the assumptions and the debate and the discussion and the things that through that, that those differences create a greater insight. They can be uncomfortable um, and they're messy and it's an iterative source of conversation, but it's what allows us to, it's what allows us to bring, you know, future back to life through these debate and discussion type efforts. And as we go to break here, I think it's a, a really good question for all of us to be asking ourselves is as we monitor and think about our bodies right now and the energy and, and where are you? Are, are you coming from a place of hope as you look forward or from a place where you're really wrestling with the assumptions that Mark just posited there? I think it's a good question for all of us to be thinking about. And it's natural for all of us to have different reactions to the unexpected and what's happening and and just think about the influence we're having as leaders on others in our sphere of influence. So we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and talk more about people and vision and strategy and so much more. So stay tuned. We'll see you here on the other side of the break.
Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today is Mark Johnson, author of the recently released book called Lead from the Future, How to Turn Visionary Thinking into Breakthrough Growth. So, Mark, we hear this term a lot called VUCA. It stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And I think we can both agree we're all in it right now, everyone listening. And and so... My question for you is, how should leaders be reacting to a crisis in the here and now, and especially like this coronavirus? Is there really room for visionary thinking when you really, you know, we're standing on a burning platform right now? Well, I think, you know, I think it's going to depend on each organization, you know, depending on the degree of the burning platform. You know, if, uh, <laughs> you know, if it's a conflagration and the platform's about to fall over, Completely. I, I, of course, I don't think there's going to be any room at all. But I would argue that for, for, for many organizations, the, the platform is burning. But, um, but I think, you know, and you have to tend to that immediate, you know, putting out the fire. No question about it. But I also think for most, there's, there's an importance to, in fact, maybe more urgent than ever to have, to have vision, you know, because as we talked about, as, 
as the fire burns and things are going to change, people are going to start wondering, you know, how are we going to be okay? You know, what, what comes of us after this is all said and done? Um, you know, lots of questions about, uh, you know, what, what comes out the other side. And, you know, you think about historical examples of Winston Churchill and FDR and Nelson Mandela, you know, they ultimately just didn't react to the most imminent threat at their time. They also looked beyond, you know, what was their dark horizon and, and they were guided, you know, by a vision for a better future. So back to the reasons we talked about of, of driving hope and, you know, purpose and inspiration, it's the same thing. You're going to have to do what you need to do now, but at some point you're going to need to carve out some time to develop this vision to, to enable the organization to, to, to look towards the better days and, and, and where it wants to land, you know, sort of independent of everything now, and then be able to walk that back to say, what are the kinds of things we're going to be planning for now to, do, to figure out how things are going to land 12 to 24 months from now or whatever the horizon is where a lot of things stabilize and you're trying to figure out what the new normal is. So, right. so I think more than ever you have to be, be thinking where you can about vision along the side of, of dealing with the immediate crisis. Mm. Mindset's such a big, big part of this. I, I'm not sure if it was Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou, or someone else who said this, but I think she said fear and hope cannot coexist. And mm. uh, that strikes me when you're talking there. That where, where, where are you coming from? Where's your, where are you drawing from as you think about where you are now and and thinking in this strange time that we're all in? So I, I have to. Um, in your book, I think it was chapter four. You wrote, and there's some. You wrote this quote. It said, "You should measure dollars, but also people in leadership mindshare, as talent and leadership energy are often more scarce in big companies than seed funding." How does this happen, and what needs to be done? Yeah. Well, I think the way it happens is, um, you know, just just like dollars, people. People are are employed to to live within their business unit and their function and 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 do things that are that are oriented towards um, delivering the the business, the operations, and the execution. Even in the innovation space, right? Product development, um, you know, moving through a stage gate product development process, the R and D organization, which I would argue is usually doing R&D for the benefit of, of sustaining and, protep- and perpetuating really the, the, the core business model, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, and the, and the fact that we plan every year, most organizations plan every year, which I would say is more of a budgeting exercise, and for sure it's incrementing off of today, you never find, rarely find any organization that says that they, they need less than what they had last year, right? So <laughs> they're always asking for more. So, so I think the scarcity then becomes, again, not just of dollars, but, but people that need to get committed to be able to really do new and different stuff. And the, and the problem we often see is, is management will grudgingly give people, but they'll say, oh, I'll give you 10% of this person's time and we'll form a team of, of 20 people and they're each giving about 10% of their time. 
Yeah. So that ends up being, you know, two equivalents, but it all all becomes chaos. <laughs> you know, there's yes. not enough time to really get into this future back mode. And then the final part of your question, leadership mindshare, it's the same thing. Leaders are running around to the tyranny of the urgent, um, and they, they would say they barely have enough time to deal with everything at hand. So all of those things uh, really do create this scarcity in support of being able to do things um, that are especially for beyond the core efforts. And so what needs to be done is, 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 to, is to use future back and say, once we have vision, we have to translate that like engineers into a portfolio view of what's really needed in the future toward core, adjacent, and new and different. And how does that translate to investments that need to be made today and have the discipline to say, we have to carve out, even if it's a small amount, towards beyond the core stuff because that's our future. And, yeah. and, and so really, portfolio management is the only way to do it, and it should be best done, again, by future back uh, to be able to, to allocate properly resources across competing demands. Mm-hmm. I've heard that comment oh so many times. You've got 10% of Matt's time. What is that really? <laughs> yes. Right. I, I have to ask. So so there is the vision. Next comes the strategy. And, I, and you've already alluded to some of this already. But I think this is where a lot of organizations, they just fall short. And so in tactile, pragmatic perspective, what are some of the pitfalls when, that get organizations in trouble when it comes to executing the strategy? Yeah. Well, I think the number one thing we found, Matthew, is is going from strategy to execution is the uh, is, is the number one pitfall, uh, especially if you're thinking about something transformative. What you need an in between step, which is once you've developed the strategy from the vision, which is you know how to get there and the portfolio of of different initiatives, you need to program that strategy and, and that effort across core, adjacent, and new into the organization. It, it, it's not like you can just execute it from the core business. You have to think what we would call it a transformation management office to be able to manage the fact that you're going to need to carve out these people and dollars and leadership mindshare towards investing toward the future, which is more ambiguous and longer term. You're going to need to come up with the right kind of uh, new venture leaders um, and, as we talked about, reward them in the right way. So you have to set up the readiness to move into execution and, and breakthrough innovation, and that requires the governance of sponsorship of the right leaders on top of these teams, the right process. It's going to be more of a learning-oriented process, a discovery-driven process for Innovation not going to be a execution oriented as much. So you got to get process right. You got to get the rules, norms, and metrics right. You got to get the leadership team behind it in the right way, and you got to make sure you've allocated and carved out and ring fenced the right kind of of, of resources uh, to do that. And all of those things become almost in of themselves a system, a readiness, if you will, to innovate. And without that being in place the execution piece is going to fail, especially on anything that's outside of executing within the core. Mm. Uh, yeah. All oh, so very valuable. And I think, you know, as I'm thinking about my listening uh, audience too, there's some who are, you know, heading up 
nonprofits, for example, maybe doing some activism and things in there. What might be a recommendation you have for when you think about future back? How might an activism group want to or adopt your approach or this approach? Well, you know, I give you an example. I mean, you know, I think activism, say, for global warming, um, addressing global warming, you know, the Paris Accords would say, I believe they said, you know, the, the goal or the aspiration is to get, um, you know, the temperature, you know, temperatures down by two degrees Celsius by a certain time frame. Um, you know, what I think has to be, that's, that can be inspiring or, you know, it could be uh, sort of galvanizing, say, okay, you know, that's a great goal, but it's not actionable yet. And, and so that's my kind of point about the kind of vision we're talking about. That's the practical vision. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to get to the next layer, right. And say, and so I think activism needs to not only have a mission, um, you know, a, a purpose of something that they want to accomplish, but they got to translate that into this storytelling narrative that says, these are the way things will be five to 10 years from now or whatever the right time frame. And by having these things in place with this impact, it will result in the case of global warming to this two degree reduction. And then walk that back to one of the things that we need to be more, you know, activism on in order to be moving towards what we intend, you know, to have in that longer term horizon. So I think being really practical about what vision means and taking it to that next level of actionability and then walking it back to the kinds of focused activities that are needed today is what I think could help uh, many who are in government or in nonprofits or NGOs that are, you know, trying to affect change and as, you know, in this, uh, in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. Have your story together. Okay, everyone, yeah. stay tuned. We are going to take a break, and we, when we come back, Mark's going to tell us what we need to do to put this actionable into our lives. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Join host Marla Goldberg each week for guided spirit conversations. This show puts you, the listener, in touch with some exciting guests. Hear how they've helped others and find out how you can help too through Marla's charity shoutouts. Are you ready to shift your current life experience? We've got tips, tools, and techniques designed to help you get started. Guided Spirit Conversations can be heard Thursdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great 
You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone, to this final segment of the show. And Mark, we've spent the past hour talking about the future and and really talking about it in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. And really, this is a perfect time for all of us to pause and take that breath and look into the future. And so I'm going to ask you, Mark, make this real for all of us and tell us what might be three or four action steps that we can take to really implement and get that future more real for us. Yeah. Well, as we've been talking about, um, and I know, again, we talked about the burning platform, unless it's the burning platforms falling over, which I think in most cases is not, you need to simply spend time envisioning your future. Take that 10 to 20% of time each week as, as a group leader or in a team and, and begin to envision what that future, um, that that future is going to look not only in the long term, but I would say, you know, spending time to look at what it's going to be in the midterm, um, the 12 to 24 months past the, past the crisis. So I think one is recognizing the power of spending time in that future and going about it the right way. As I mentioned, to really debate and discuss, you'll be surprised how many insights will come out of, of that foresight. So that would be first and foremost, I think the second part of this is is being able to figure out how to um, how to think through what are the things today, in addition to the ninety percent you're going to do to re- address the immediate crisis. What are the things you can get started on today that move you towards what's going to need to be accomplished in the next twelve to twenty four months? And and so I think tying that to you know more of a midterm and and then being able to to define again in this portfolio that's balanced even now more than important ever. And then the last is having the right mindset um, about this, which is learning and pivoting is going to be more essential than ever. Um, Nobody has a crystal ball. And as I said, the way to mitigate risk is to test and experiment and learn. You know, our firm is about innovation. On the other side of that is learning. And, And on the other side of that is humility. So I think the other key action step is to make sure that your organization yourself is, is deeply in learning mode and, and being able to pull from a lot of different places and build understanding um, as, you, as you drive towards the North Star that hopefully gives yourself and the organization inspiration and hope. There you have it, everyone. And the, I think the subtext of everything that you just said is 
it takes effort. You've got to spend you what the investment that you put into this will reflect on what you get out of it at the end of things. So it's setting that side of time and figuring out how to to make things now work in the next 12, 24 and so much and so forth and of course mindset. Mark, I, I, I say uh, yeah. Oh sorry, I should just say really quick um, on this as well Matthew that uh, I did write a Harvard Business Review article that just so happened to come out today specific around the COVID crisis that your, your listeners may want to may wanna check out. Fantastic. There you heard it, everyone. HBR.org. Fantastic. Mark, I can't thank you enough for being here today, sharing your insights with us. Great book, and it's very, very practical in terms of getting your arms around what does it mean to create the future. So I thank you. Oh, by the way, before we, we end today's discussion, how can my listening audience reach you or contact you to get a hold of your book and contact you? Well, I, I think the easiest would be... Um, you could you could write me directly at mjohnson at com. You could go to our website at com, Or related to the book, you could go to futurebackleadership.com uh, to, to order the book. Or, of course, Amazon has it as well. Excellent. And, of course, I think InnoSight is spelled I-N-N-O-S-I-G-H-T. Is that right? That's, that's it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm looking through my notes feverishly trying to find it. Yeah, okay, great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. I can't thank you enough for being here, and it's so timely when we think about where we are where we where we want to go. And so for everyone else out there who's listening, I'm always curious to hear your, your ideas, your recommendations, or thoughts about who a guest should be or a topic for us to cover. So contact me. You can reach me here on the American um, voiceamerica.com platform under the Empowerment Channel. You can email me at M. Woolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. And until next week, harness that positive energy and lead transformation. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.